Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello, and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author, and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy. But as you know by now, we've got so many wonderful people to help us along the way. Now, we all have different kinds of kids that we parent, teach, and coach. Now, think about it. Some seem really easy as pie, and others drive you absolutely bonkers. You give one kid a responsibility, or perhaps you help him set a goal, and he is on it, committed, ready to go, do whatever it takes to follow through. Wow. You must be a really awesome parent, and so must I. (laughs) Then you have another kid, and you give him a responsibility or help him set a goal, and he might question you for an hour about why he has to do it in this way or that or every who, what, where, when, or how it will be to take it to get it done. Still, other kids may need regular accountability to ensure progress, and maybe you even know a kid or two who resists moving forward no matter what you try. Have I described any kids in your life yet? Why in the world can setting expectations, giving responsibilities, or helping kids set goals work so easily for some kids and seem like a lesson in futility for others? Turns out you aren't crazy. There's a reason for this, and it comes down to a person's tendency. And you know what? You have them too. So to talk about these tendencies, we have the amazing Gretchen Rubin on the show today. Gretchen Rubin is the author of several books, including the blockbuster bestsellers, Better Than Before, and The Happiness Project, awesome books. Perhaps you've seen her on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, or she's given a TED Talk, or maybe you've seen her on the Today Show or Good Morning America talking about happiness. She also has a very popular podcast, which is really terrific, called Happier with Gretchen Rubin where she discusses good habits and happiness with her sister, Elizabeth Kraft. Her new book, The Four Tendencies, reveals a personality framework that she's created that helps explain that people fall into four different types, upholders, questioners, obligers, and rebels. And we are going to talk all about that today. So yay, I am a huge Gretchen Rubin fan. So it is with so much pleasure that I say, welcome Gretchen to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. I'm so happy to be talking to you. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm thrilled to have you. Now, before we get started, I'd love to know what gets you up in the morning and how you got so interested in these four personality tendencies after spending so much time investigating and writing about happiness. Um, well, I love my work. Um, and so that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Plus I have to walk my dog. Um, I do the early morning shift. So, um, he's, he's waiting eagerly for me to get out of bed. I love the dogs. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I got interested in this four tendencies framework because, you know, I've written and I've been talking and writing and, and, uh, researching happiness and good habits 
for years. And I began to notice a pattern, which was that often when people would talk about a happiness challenge, they would talk about a habit that they were having trouble um, uh uh, consolidating. So they wanted to get more sleep or they wanted to stop yelling at their kids or they wanted to put down their device or whatever it is. And they were just not able to go- follow through with that. And so I became very interested in the role that habits could play in, in helping us to become happier and healthier, more productive and more creative. But as I did that, I began to notice these big patterns among people. And you mentioned a lot of them. Um, like with kids, you know, it's like, one kid, it's like, let's make a, a, like a, a star chart. And mm-hmm. another kid is like, I hate your star chart. <laughs> exactly. I, Don't give me know, a sticker. <laughs> yeah. Or one kid, you know, one thing that I kept hearing from people is um, this thing. My kid is really smart and he does great on, on the tests, but he refuses to do the homework. Mm-hmm. So he gets bad grades because the teacher is always penalizing for not doing that book report or not doing whatever. And it's like, well, why are these patterns emerging over and over again? There must be something about some people that they're responding similarly in certain situations because people would often describe things that didn't ring true for me. And I would say, well, I don't have that experience. Um, So I don't understand where you're coming from. And yet so many people seem to be in the same bucket. And that's what led me to understand the four tendencies because you see how when people are facing expectations, whether outer expectations or inner expectations, they have the same kind of instinctual reaction. And that's true for children and it's true for adults. And once you understand that, you you can engage much more effectively um, by making sure that you're not pushing the wrong buttons with someone. So interesting. And I love that concept of pushing the right or the wrong buttons. You mentioned these outer or inner expectations, and I am assuming that has to do with these tendencies from what, I'm, uh, what I've been reading about you. So tell us about the four tendencies. Right. What are they? What do they mean? And what, what does it have to do with these inner and outer expectations that you just mentioned? Yeah. Now, most people, I'll explain it, and most people can like p- figure out where they fit right away just right. from this brief description. If you want to take a quiz, you can go to happiercast.com slash quiz, and there's a quiz that will like spit out an answer. But like I said, most people just can tell from a description because these, these are pretty easy to spot. Perfect. So, so it has to do with outer and inner expectations. So we all face outer expectations like um, – uh, a deadline for a school report or a work deadline or a request from a teacher or from a friend. And then there are inner expectations, our own desire to keep a New Year's resolution, our own desire to start practicing guitar. Um, so um, so there are upholders, questioners, obligers, and rebels. So upholders typically very readily meet outer and inner expectations. So they meet the, the work deadline or the school deadline and they keep the New Year's resolution without much fuss. Um, they want to know what's expected of them, but their expectations for themselves are just as important. So they, they're very self-directed. Yes. Um, and this is the kid um, that has all the parents and teachers patting themselves on the back <laughs> like, oh, I've totally created this great kid. Okay, no. In my view, no, that kid came out that way. Uh, <laughs> He's so awesome until you find out you have another yeah. kid and you're like, wait yeah. a second. <laughs> right. And you're like, maybe it's, maybe it's not my brilliant system. Um, so then there are questioners and questioners question all expectations. They'll do something if they think it makes sense. So they hate anything kind of arbitrary or irrational or uh, that is inefficient. And so in a sense, they make everything an inner expectation. So if they, if something meets their inner standard and they're like, yeah, this expectation makes sense, they will do it. But if they think, well, this is dumb, this is a waste of my time, um, you're, you know, why would I listen to you? I don't respect you. Then they resist. Ooh, yes. So for them, it's all an inner expectation. 
Then there are obligers. Obligers readily meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. So they have no trouble meeting the school deadline or the work deadline, but they have, but they struggle to meet their own inner expectations. And I saw a good example of this. Um, a friend of mine said, I don't know why I can't exercise. I know I would be happier if I exercised. And when I was in high school, I was on the track team mm -hmm. and I never missed track practice. So why can't I go running now? Well, when she had a team and a coach waiting for her, she had no trouble showing up. But when she's just trying to do it on her own, she struggles. And then there are rebels. Rebels resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. They want to do what they want to do in their own way, in their own time. And if you ask or tell them to do something, they're very likely to resist. Mm. And one of the things I should say is like obliger is the largest tendency. That's the one that most people fit yes. into. Rebel is the smallest tendency. It's the smallest one. The thing about the rebel tendency is a lot of the things that will work for upholders, questers, and obligers won't work for rebels. So if you're dealing with a rebel, you really want to like think through your strategy because everything that has worked for the for, it, for you in the past might not work for the rebel if that's the kind of person that you're dealing with. So much fun. I mean, I know that I've got, you know, parents and, and, and educators and coaches out there going, please, please, let's go through these. <laughs> I need to find out what to do about these people. Yep. And we will get to that because I, and I'm actually, as you were speaking, I'm like, oh, yep, my son is a questioner. Yep, my daughter's, a, my daughter's an obliger. Okay. You know, because as you're sitting there thinking through how they react when you ask them to yep. do something, and you're like, oh, okay, that's why. So that's awesome. I love that you are naming it because when you name it, then you can do something about it. So I would like to know for us, before we move into the kids, how can knowing our own tendencies as an adult, as a coach, as a parent, as an educator, teacher, how can it help us to manage ourselves better as a parent or a teacher or a coach or even as a, uh, as a spouse or an employee? Right. Well, I think it's really, really hel helpful if you're trying to manage yourself because then you sort of know how to set up circumstances in a way that's going to help you to succeed. So, for instance, let's take obligers. One thing that very typically you would hear from, and again, an obliger is someone who readily meets outer expectations but struggles to meet inner expectations. And this can be very, very frustrating to obligers because they keep thinking, why is it that I can do what's important to everybody else, but I can't do what's important for me? Now, they often misdiagnose this and they say things like, well, I'm not good at taking time for myself or mm. I can't put myself first or I'm a people pleaser. Uh -huh. yes. So to me, I'm like, that is not what's going on with obligers. What happens with obligers is they readily meet outer expectations and they struggle to meet inner expectations. So the solution to that, once you understand that that is the crux of the problem, is that if there's something that's important to you as an inner expectation, you want to create outer accountability yes. for it because that's what makes you do something is outer accountability. So if you want to exercise, you want to um, work out with a trainer or you want to take a class where they're going to yes. notice if you don't show up or you're going to want to exercise with a friend who's going to be annoyed if you don't go or you want to go with your dog who's going to chew up all the furniture if she doesn't get enough exercise every morning or you're going to think of your duty as a role model. I have to model healthy behavior for my children because they're going to look to me to see how to behave. These are all forms of outer accountability and that's what is needed. And so, and then again, like if you're a rebel, you know, people might keep saying to you and rebels or say this all the time, the people come to them and are like, you need to make a to-do list. You need to put something on your schedule. And it's like, and I'm like, no, 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 no. That is not going to work for you. <laughs> they're like, because they, they look at it and they're like, I'm not doing that, right? I'm they, not going to do it. And, it. But they, but people sort of gaslight them into thinking that this is the way that they should succeed. And, may, and, and sometimes they even think, well, something's wrong with me that I can't mm. do it. 
Um, and I'm like, no, that's just not the way that works for you. There are other things that a rebel would do that could help them get achieve their aims, but they have to do it in a way that harnesses the strengths of their rebel tendency and offsets the weaknesses of the rebel tendency. That's going to be a very different kind of situation that they're going to set up than something that would work for me as an upholder, which is like the opposite of a rebel. So when you know yourself and you know your tendency, you can kind of figure out how to set things up so that you can get where you want. We can all get there, but we're going to take very different paths. And um, it's just easier to figure out what that path might be when you know your tendency. I love this because then, you know, you feel like, oh, okay, everybody can make progress. You know, I'm not going to slam my head against the wall. And and now because so many of our listeners are, are working with kids, have kids, I know you said on a Facebook Live interview with Business Insider that if you're trying to change a habit – like you're trying to exercise more or you're trying to get someone else to do something like turn in a report on time. It's really important to know their tendencies because then you know which button to push. And I love that whole concept of this button to push. So how can knowing a child's tendency help you to deal with him or her more effectively if you're a parent or a teacher or a coach? And I know people's ears are really plucked right now, so they're ready. Right. Um, yeah. And the thing is, it's it's it. Once you realize this, it becomes much clearer. So like upholders are are, e are pretty easy. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to feed the fish. They're going to hand in the report. They're going to remember to pack their gym clothes um, that they are not your problem, you know. But what can happen with upholders and what sometimes people uh, you, you should keep in mind is they can have tightening, which is when the rules get tighter on them. And also upholders, they uphold all the time. And sometimes parents want to kind of pick and choose. So they want you to hand in your report on time and, and they want you to do your homework, which is to read a half an hour every night. But, oh, you know what, honey, tonight you're not going to read a half an hour because we're going to go visit grandma and grandpa. And so we're not going to have time for that. So you're just going to have to forget about it. Mm. Well, to an upholder child, that would be very, very they're, yes. like they're going to kind of lose their minds because mm -hmm. they're like, I have to do it. Um, so you have to remember that it's something that a lot of times parents and teachers and coaches like it, but sometimes they feel like the upholder is rigid or is not able to be flexible. It's like, okay, well, that's just part of where they're coming from. So you need to talk to them about it in a way that they're going to understand. Mm -hmm. um, you might say something like, I know that your teacher says that you need to read for half an hour every night, but tonight we have something really important. And the teacher knows that you can't do it every single night and that's okay. They expect that, you know, that from time to time there will be situations, you know, or whatever. Um, and sort of explain it in an upholder way. Now, questioners often get in trouble with adults because questioners sometimes can seem insubordinate, mm -hmm. a stubborn, sure. obstructionist, because they keep asking questions. And the thing is, questioners, whether they're children or adults, they need robust explanations to yes. explain why they're doing something. So let's say you have a sixth grader who says, why should I learn about ancient Mesopotamia? I am never <laughs> gonna use, I, I, I don't care, and I'm never going to use it for the rest of my life. Now, a teacher could say something unhelpful like, well, sixth graders always learn about ancient Mesopotamia. Or, yes, I'm the you. teacher, and I'm telling you this is what to do. Or, well, y if you want to not do it, then that's fine, but you, then I'm going to fail you. I mean, these are, not, these are not true explanations. And they're not helpful. Mm -hmm. They're not helpful. A teacher could say something like, well, you might not be interested in ancient Mesopotamia, but what you're learning with this, uh, this assignment is how to analyze complex texts. Yes. You're learning how to paraphrase ideas into your own words. You're learning how to read through a lot of material and to pick out the most important ideas. And these are important skills that are going to serve you well for your whole life. And okay. then there's like a click, right? They're like, yeah. oh, now I get it. Yeah. Or you're like, you're like, okay, 
why should I write this book report? This is a huge waste of my time. It's like, well, why, why am I assigning this? And by the way, if you don't have a good answer for it, why are you assigning it? My child, who's an upholder, had to do this Spanish thing where you, it was like a word, you know, jumble where you had to pick out the Spanish words. And I'm like, this is neither fun nor educational. You know, even as an upholder, I was offended. I'm like, this is a big waste of time because mm-hmm. it's not teaching you anything. And if it's meant to be fun, she'd rather not do it. She'd rather do what she wants to do. Right. So, so it was, and so this is why questioners can be good because they can, um, they can keep us all on track. And they like, illuminate why? something for yeah, you. Yeah. Why right? are we even doing this? And but questioners and questioner children need to learn how to ans- ask questions in a way yes. that don't yes. don't make them seem insubordinate. Yes. Or don't, but questioners are, will often say one of the questions. I have like some flash questions to try to get at someone's tendency right away without having them take them through the whole quiz. One of the things I say is. Do people say, or did they say when you were growing up, you ask too many questions? Mm-hmm. That is often a set of questioner. Now, questioners also can get something called analysis paralysis, which is when they can't move forward because they want more and more information. So maybe you have a child who you're like, well, I want you to pick a book and write a book report on it. And they kind of can't decide because it's like, well, maybe this one's better, but maybe this right. one's better, but maybe this one's better. So you want to like be on the lookout for that because that can sometimes be a problem. Now, with obliger children, you really want to remember that they need outer accountability for anything that's an inner aim. So I heard a great example of this where somebody was saying how she had an obliger daughter they got, and they had a new puppy. And her daughter said, oh, I really want to train him to do a lot of tricks. And her mother instantly said, excellent. We are going to sign you up for the 4-H competition at the state fair this year. And you guys are going to compete because it's like, oh, well, now it's like I've got a deadline, I've got like a framework, and I'm if I'm going to work toward it, then that's going to help me. I don't really have to do it, right? It's an inner expectation that you're going to train your dog to do tricks, but now there's a system in place that's going to help me feel like I'm obligated to stick this to this. This is so oh. good, so helpful. Yeah. Well, and I heard from one mother, I, I presented about the four tendencies, and she said, she said, well, I realized that I've been doing something wrong with my daughter, <coughs> who was like a young adult. She said, well, my, and she was a questioner. The mother was a questioner. The daughter was an obliger. She said, my daughter kept saying to me, mom, I need to take the GRE. I really want to take a class. And I kept saying to my daughter, no, you don't need to take a class. If it's important to you to do well on the GRE, you can just buy a book and study from the book. And I'm like, that is bad advice. Mm-hmm. As an obliger, she's going to do much better in a class where it's like, this is the assignment. I'm showing up. The teacher's expecting me to do these things. There's a framework. To a questioner or an upholder, buying the book and studying on their own could be fine. They might value the accountability, but they don't really need it. If somebody needs accountability, don't tell them that they don't need it. Help them get it. Oh, sure. And I think that's so responsible of a, of a kid to know that. I, yes. I'm, I, it's just making me realize, like, even with my daughter, you know, if your uh, child is making their bed, my, my husband always said, I never made my bed as a kid because well, I was just going to get back in it. You know, this questioner sounds like, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, but like my daughter is always like, oh, you can you come and see how, how my bed looks? <laughs> because, you yes. know, it's, it's, right, because she wants somebody to see it and look how she arranged something and that, you know, that feels good to her. And she, well, she declares it. I, and I always thought, like, why is she like broadcasting or sportscasting? <laughs> like, I've made my bed, you know. <laughs> Now it's helping to make sense because she needs some. She needs somebody to say, "Oh, really? Great! Oh, I'm so glad you did that." And it helps her. 
but you know, that's interesting because I hadn't really focused on that until this minute, but you're reminding me of something that a, a person who works with cardiac rehabilitation was saying that in the healthcare context, she said obligers will say, let me show you how well I can do this exercise. So maybe that is a form <laughs> of accountability. Right. It's like, I'm going to, like, I need you to acknowledge yes. that I've done it. And that's a form of accountability. An acknowledgement. Yes. So again, again, see, there's something in our culture right now where we think everybody should be intermotivated all the time. So you might, a, a well-meaning parent might be like, honey, I don't want you to make your bed for me. I want you to do it because you want to make the bed. And it's like, okay, well, then she's going to be like, well, now I'm not going to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not like, that interested if, in my bed. <laughs> if somebody wants to utter accountability, it's just like, that's fine. That's like, yeah. like we can get you that. That's somebody fine. did tell me, and I'm sure that they had an obliger that you know their, their child gets up every morning, they make their bed right away. Like they smooth out all of the creases and everything. And, it, you know, I'm sure that feels really good to them when they look at their bed and it's beautifully done. They're very inner motivated. And I think that's wonderful, but not everybody's going to be that way. Right. Now, there is something, um, children don't typically have this in the same way that adults have, but it's worth recognizing because it's such a striking pattern among obligers, which is sometimes obligers fall into obliger rebellion, which is when they will meet, meet, meet an expectation, and then suddenly they snap and they're like, you know what, this I will not do. I've had enough. You've expected too much of me. Um, they feel neglected or exploited or taken advantage of or overburdened. And then they kind of just snap. And, and they often will describe it as like an explosion. Um, it's not a controlled resistance. It's not like, hey, you're I feel like you're overstepping your boundaries. It's like or like with a needy friend, right, who's asking, asking, asking. Oh, yes, yes. Then it's just like an too explosion. Um, mm -hmm. My college roommate, who's an obliger, um, did was like a super high performing kid. And then second semester, senior year, she failed several classes Oh, interesting. Um, because she was just like, you know what, you've made me do all this stuff. And now I'm just going to, I'm just not going to do it now. And she was like, maybe I'm in a polder. I'm like, no, that isn't, I, I, I'm just telling you right now, that is not something an a polder would do. But so if a child, <laughs> if a child all of a sudden is just sort of resisting something or just like not meeting it, you want to like say, well, is something happening mm -hmm. here where you feel like, for example, I see this a lot with like group projects. So somebody, you've got three kids working on a project and one kid is being stuck with all the drudge work or all the hardest work. And the other kids are like, oh, you write the report and I'll do the poster. It's like, okay, that's not fair. Sometimes children aren't very, sometimes adults aren't very good at managing group projects and group responsibility. Right. So the obliger might, be, might do it, do it, do it. And then just be like, you know what? I'm not, I'm just not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to do something in a way that can be destructive. So that's something that you want to be aware of. Mm -hmm. And then finally, rebels. I mean, I think rebel, rebel, it's interesting. Many rebels have told me that they remember the specific moment in childhood when they realized no one can make me do it. Where they're like putting on their socks as a three-year-old or something. They just can't. They just won't do it. And I, and you have to remember with a rebel, they can do anything they want to do. They can any, do anything they choose to do. Mm -hmm. So what works with the rebel is, first of all, to remind them of their identity. This is who you want to be. This is what you want. Um, you want to write for the school newspaper because, hey, you know what? It's fun to see your name in print. It's fun mm -hmm. to hang out with the other cool kids. And, hey, the people in the newspaper are going to go on the cool uh, field trip to Washington, D.C. This is what you want. So then they can do things because they're like, that's what I want. But also it's their identity of like, well, what kind of person do they want to be? And I heard a great example from a, from a woman who was saying she has a, like a very young rebel daughter. And they were going to visit um, the mother's grandparents. So these were very elderly people, very frail. And she said her daughter was very high energy. And she said, if I said to her, hey, you can't run around, you know, or like, you need to stay calm. Her daughter would have been like, you can't make me. Mm -hmm. You're not the best. I can't oh. run around. 
but so she remembered her, she reminded her of her identity because her identity was to be a very, she considered herself a very thoughtful child, a very responsible child. Ooh. So she said, you know what? Grandma just got out of the hospital. She is so weak and frail. She needs protectors. We need to make sure she doesn't fall. We need to help her like so that she doesn't fall again because if she does, that would be really bad. She just got out of the hospital. Can you be her protector? And the daughter was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to be the protector. And then she was very, very gentle with her. So it was like, this is the kind of child you want to be. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying, this is who you, is, is this who you want to be? The other thing that can work with children is information and consequences choice. This is what works with adults, too. You give them the information that they need to be informed. You tell them the consequences of a decision, and then you let them choose without nagging, without supervision, without monitoring. So you might say to a child, um, if you go outside on a bright, sunny day, you could get a really bad sunburn. A bad sunburn hurts. Mm -hmm. Your skin can blister and peel. And then you're stuck inside while your friends are outside playing because you've got to wait for your sunburn to go away. Do you feel like wearing a long sleeve t-shirt and a hat? Or do you feel like wearing sunscreen lotion? Oh, choices are good. Those yeah, are so great. But what happens if the child goes out without it? You well, just got to let that happen. Yeah, I, natural consequences are probably genius for that child. It is very, very hard yes. as an adult sometimes to allow natural consequences. I, I to said fall. that to my daughter this morning. She's like telling my son, "Don't put a sticker on your mouth. Don't put a sticker on." He's trying to be silly, you know. Yeah. It's, it's gonna, you don't want to do that. It's gonna hurt. Da, da, da. And I said, "Tally, sometimes you gotta get. He's got to have some natural consequences. He will learn if he puts a sticker on his mouth." And he pulls it off that it's going to hurt and he won't do it again. Remember, you did that too when you were little. Right. <laughs> just, oh, right. 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 <laughs> now, I did hear recently from a mother who was saying the problem is that she was trying to allow negative consequences to fall on her rebel teenager. And other parents in the neighborhood were like stepping in and saving mm -hmm. the daughter. Mm -hmm. This is not good. And she said, everybody thinks that I'm the bad mom because I won't do X, Y, Z. But I've learned, I, if, you, you know, so, so if you ever see parents letting things happen, like it's so irresponsible, this mother to let her child go out without, it's like, well, maybe this is, maybe, maybe she's being irresponsible or maybe she's actually, this is part of a strategy for right. like letting natural consequences fall. My friend always said, don't assume, you know, the rest of the story, you know, you don't know the whole story. And so yes. you can't just make that assumption and maybe there's more, but in, and in, in that situation, I, I mean, if it's a neighborhood or, you know, the parent, you can always, you know, say something, uh, gently if you are worried, but you don't have to step in, you know, I mean, obviously if it's like a major thing and the child looks like they're in deep danger, that's yeah. a different situation. But, uh, and sometimes we, we do need to learn to butt out a little bit. But the other thing that I would emphasize, because this is something that rebels have told me over and over and over again, is the more you remind, the more you nag, the mm. more you will inspire in a rebel the spirit of resistance. You're not the boss of me. You can't tell me what to do. And you may interfere with a rebel's desire to do things on their own. For instance, I cannot tell you how many rebels said to me, either they're teenagers now or they were as teenagers, they're like, I love to keep my room clean. But my mom would come in and be like, oh, don't you think it's time to clean your room? And I was like, well, I was going to do that until you told me to. So now I'm not going to. Oh. Or you could say something. Or like, I was going to, I I felt like doing something nice for my mom. So I was going to unload the dishwasher. But then my mother came in and said, would you, you know, I, un please unload the dishwasher. And or why like, didn't anybody unload the dishwasher yes, yet? <laughs> yes, right. And then she's like, well, you're not the boss of me. And so you've got to remember, and, and a, a friend of mine who's married to a rebel said, I finally learned that the less I ask for, the more I get. So if, and I heard a hilarious story from a woman who wrote to me, well, 
well, I have a rebel husband, and we had, and here's how he's so annoying. We had this 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 house um, home improvement project that should have taken about two weeks. It took a year. You know, every ten days or so, I would say to him, "Hey, don't. It's time for you to like really buckle down and work on that home improvement project." And he just took forever. And I was like, "My friend, you are the problem. You are the, <laughs> you, are the re, you are the reason that it took a year. If you had just said nothing." And he's the one stepping over the porch with all the tools and all the unfinished porch. At a certain point, probably at midnight one night, he'd be like, I feel like fixing the porch. And he would have done it. But by reminding, you ignite that spirit of resistance. So it's really oh. hard not to tell, hey, tell Aunt Jane you had a great time. No, I'm not going to tell Aunt Jane I had a great time. It is very hard with children not to like fall back into telling them what to do. We do it instinctively. But remember, you know, it it is often very, very unproductive. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things teachers can do, you know, rebels like to do their work in their own way. And they will often say something like, oh, well, my PhD thesis was only supposed to be 40 pages long, but I did a 47-page one and had some outside advisors. Like, they'll do it in their own way. Mm-hmm. So if you're a teacher, you might want to give choice because you're like, well, you could write a book report. You could um, memorize a poem and explain it in front of the class. You could do an artwork or, you know, you could write your own, uh, you know, you could write your own uh, analysis of this, whatever. Give them some choice. So it's And like, they probably well, gonna- would choose, like, choice Z, like nothing well, that you even mentioned. But at least to, to acknowledge the fact that they don't want to be told what to do and they want to do work in their own way. Um, so you can imagine, like, let's say you're giving an assignment. You want to be very clear about what the expectations are and when it's due and all that. You want to give explanations for why you're making this assignment, what it's meant to achieve, why why you've taken it in your mind that somebody has to write a, write this or, or create this. And give choices in how people execute. Um, and that way, you're going to reach the upholders, the questioners, the obligers, and the rebels, because everybody's going to have that button pushed for them. But often, like, you know, many small deadlines work better than one big deadline. Um, this is true even for, like, graduate students. I hear from professors all the time who are like, oh, my gosh, how can I get my graduate students to write their PhD thesis mm-hmm. on time? It's like, and, like, you know, sometimes people are like, well, I don't want to tell you how to do your work. I'm like, well, maybe they need you to tell, you, tell them how to do their work. You know, maybe you, you've got, they've got one gigantic deadline that's years away. They need, they need you to help them create uh, intermediate deadlines, which is going to help them, like, stay the course. So I, I, I have a lot of coaches listening, and they work with kids maybe after school or on the weekends. And they, I, I, if we could just, because you just did it with the homework idea, if we could just say, for these coaches, sometimes their biggest complaint is they want these kids to do something out of class time. And that's something that teachers often want too, right? They want them to read out of class time. They want, and, and a teacher, uh, a coach might want them uh, to run a perimeter or practice at home, something of that sort. So can we just go through, what would you say to each one of your tendencies if you wanted them to do something out of class time, but it wasn't actually going to be checked necessarily you know this is something that you know like everybody should practice make up something like give me an example like um i want you to um go home and um you should be running for uh you should you should run for a half mile and um i also want you to practice these particular skills at home so that they are more sharp when you come in maybe the next day or something 
Okay. So for an upholder, you want to just be very clear about what it is and that, you know, uh, and then for the question, you want to explain why. You know, what I found is that when people do this, then their performance uh, goes up, they have more stamina, uh, their reflexes get faster. You know, these are kinds of things where there needs, you need muscle memory. It's a lot of just repetition. You can't just do it a couple times a week. It's like I've seen, you know, vast increases in performances when people are very consistent with this. Maybe if there's like a newspaper article or a magazine article they could read or like a biography of a, you know, or you could say, hey, and like this sports hero that you love, like I, you know, we've seen, I, if you read accounts of when he was young, all they, all he did was do these things. This is, I'm giving you a trusted authority who did this behavior. I'm telling you the, you know, the research behind it. I'm telling you the, the, the efficiency of this. You could say something like, you know what, you could spend hours doing X, Y, Z, but if you do these targeted exercises, I found that this is really the thing that's going to be precise. And here's another thing about questioners. They like to customize. Mm -hmm. They like to feel like something's like, especially for them. Yes. So you could work with them and be like, you know what, why don't you, and they like the idea of experimenting because that gives them information about themselves. So you could say something like, why don't you do this for a couple weeks and then we'll talk about it and hear like what your experience is. Maybe some things you feel like are, are improving your performance better than others. We can adjust it. If you feel like something's not working for you, talk to me about it. Maybe we could find something that's going to be better for your skills and like what you're trying to achieve. Is this like, okay, we're going to customize it for you. We want to make, make it the most efficient, best way for you to get what you want. So you want to give them lots of reasons. For an obliger, you want to have this sense of accountability. So you could say something like, hey, and listen, you know, you may think I don't know if you're doing this on your own, but I can absolutely tell on the field. And, you know, in a week or two, it's going to be crystal clear to me who's doing X and who's doing Y. Or you could say something like, I want you to run this half mile, and every time I want you to write down your time. I don't want you to, you know, like write down your time or, you know, you're doing this. Um, I want you to write quick notes about, are you feeling, is it getting easier? Is it getting harder? Are you having any muscle tension? So there's this idea of I'm reporting to you on my experience, you know? Um, and, or maybe like you're going to do it with a friend. Oh, I know, you know, this guy in the neighborhood. I think you guys should do it together. Um, you know, and you're going to keep, you're going to watch each other's form. So I have the accountability that I'm doing it with someone else. Um, a, a music teacher told me like he uses a myriad of ways to help people practice music out of, um, out of, out of, you know, uh, um, instruction time by building in accountability. Like you've got to be a mentor, like, yeah, be a mm -hmm. mentor to someone else, uh, perform with somebody else. Um, and you could say, you know, other people are doing these, and if you don't do them, you're going to let down your team members because Ooh. they're working hard, they're doing everything they can, and if you're the one who's blowing it off, everybody's, you know, you're just not going to be able to um, bring the same kind of skills and stamina to the field, and that is, like, really not fair to your team members who are giving it their all. Um, and then uh, for rebels, you want, to, you want to remind them of their identity, and you want to give them the information consequences choice. So if you've got a, like, you know, you'd say, I know you are really good at this and you really want to bring it your all. And what I found is that for people who really want to have that top performance, who really want to get their best, they find that it really helps them to do these, you know, X, Y, Z. I've seen it, ha you know, it, they have more energy, they have more stamina, they have more wind power, they have quicker reflexes, they're going to, you know, achieve better. Um... And so that really helps them. Now, you know, you could do, and if you don't do it, of course, I mean, obviously somebody who's doing these exercises in their free time is going to outperform somebody who doesn't. I mean, that's just like plain as day, right? So you can be sure that everybody else wants to succeed. And they also love a challenge. So if you have a child who's not doing it, one thing you could try is like, I don't know if you can do it. I mean, uh -huh. I just like looking back, you have just not been showing me that you're the, you're the kind of kid. I, there are some kids who can do this. 
maybe you're the kind of kid who just can't get it together oh, to do it. Ouch. Um, you know, which is true, though, right? Yes, it is sure. true. I don't know that you can do this because you haven't shown to me that you can. Um, this is what you want. This is what you choose. And then and also just to say, like, you know, and, and, and it might be, you know, some people like to run sprints. Some people like to do this. Some people like to do that. You know, this is some things that I've seen work. You know, if you want to read about more, like I have this pamphlet that has other ideas for about training. So there's information, consequences, choice. Mm -hmm. So what's the information you need? What are the consequences if you do it or don't do it? And then it's totally up to you. And I try to give you a lot of flexibility in how you do that. And, um, you know, and then it's sort of like, I mean, because the fact is, the fact is, if you're not actually improving your performance, why am I assigning you to do these things? Right. So that's a question for the coach, which is, is it in fact true that it is worth this child's time and energy to spend their time that way? If you can't tell if somebody's doing it or not, it's a big waste of their time. And I'm a big believer in the fact that adults are way too easily persuaded to waste the time of children. Right. Well, people have that we're comment like, well, about homework all the time, right? They're yeah, like, is this, like, why, why are we doing this? So if you can't tell if that rebel child is actually doing it or not, well, then that's on you. Right. You should be able to tell. And you could just say to them, I can tell that you're not, you know, and then at a certain point, you could just be like, I, you know, I can tell you're not doing it. So, you know, I just, I can't play, I, I, I can't put you in the same position as people who are really like, who really are team players who can, who can follow through and do what's necessary for the team. If you're not willing to do that, then like, there's just a consequence to that. I, I love all of this. And I feel like you've, you know, wrapped up some tips and some scripts all in one. And this is something that can be applied to a parent or a teacher who wants a child to read at home. Um, yeah. It could be, a, 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 I mean, really applied to, you know, the making the bed, any responsibility, why you have to take out the garbage, uh, you know, any chore contribution to the family. And it's interesting what you need to know in order to get your, you know, your kids motivated or if, what motivates them internally, because a parent or a teacher clearly is going to have different tendencies in their classroom or at home. So yes. they, they might, they, they're not going to have all children that are obligers. I mean, how lovely for them, but um, you know, if they're all the same thing and they can apply the same technique, but they're not all going to be upholders. They're not going to all be questioners. So that makes it look, you know, we look at ourselves and we say, um, how is it that I can, you know, help this child be successful when I can't apply the exact same yes. uh, technique to this child yes. as I well, do this that, one? Well, and that is absolutely a crucial point. I mean, I think that is the key point to recognize, which is there's a lot of times people are searching for like, what's the best way? Right. What's the right answer? Like, what's the best way to get children to do their homework? There is no one best way because people are different from each other. And importantly, like, just as you say, like there's, you could have a mixed classroom or a mixed team or whatever. They're different from you. And one yes. of the things that's very hard to remember is that it's very hard not to impose your own perspectives on the world. This is like the most challenging thing. Now, this was easier for me because as an upholder, an upholder is an extreme and rare, I have to say, mm -hmm. extreme rare personality type. I'm very different from other people. And so people would say things to me and I'm like, I don't get it. Like, what is your problem? Mm -hmm. Like, can't you just like make a list and do it? Like, right. and if you get a bunch of upholders together, that's typically what they say is like, why can't other people get their act together? Not most people are not like us. <laughs> and you like, think like they must be lazy. There's yeah, something right. wrong with them. Yeah. And then, and then you'll, and then you get upholders and questioners together and they say to like, and an obliger is like, Oh, 
I, oh, I, why, you know, I have to do this project. I have to do everything, you know, don't you have sympathy for me? And the upholder and the questioner will say like, well, why did, if you don't want to do it, why did you say you would do it? Or if it's not important to you, don't do it. Because that's what, that's how we see the world. But that is not, and, and like for an upholder and a rebel to understand each other, it's very hard. They're completely the opposite of each other. I don't, you know, like uh, rebels love spontaneity. I hate spontaneity. Mm. I do nothing spontaneously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's very, but like once I understood how everybody in the world did not see the world the way I did, it just, it's like, then you can have so much more compassion and so much more understanding and helping other people. Like upholders often try to undermine other people's accountability because they're like, well, I don't want to hold you accountable. I want you to be accountable to yourself. This is a very demanding thing to say to somebody, a child, another adult, you should be accountable to yourself. No, that works for upholders. It doesn't work for everybody else. And so um, you have to recognize, well, there's going to be a range. And not only are they going to be different from each other, many of them are going to be different from me. Now, obligers is the largest tendency. So a lot of times people who are obligers assume, because they see them everywhere in the world, they assume, well, everybody's obliged. Yes. Um, the way this, sh- the way I realized this was when a journalist said to me, and this was like right when I was beginning to understand the four tendencies. She said, "Now, why is it the busy moms like us can't take time for ourselves?" And I said to her, "Well, actually, I don't have any trouble." Myself. <laughs> and she said, "Well, you know what? I don't either." And I said, "Then why did you ask me that question?" And she said, well, it just seems like that's how everybody feels. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, that's how obligers feel. Right. But there's a lot of obligers. Mm-hmm. Right. And or they take time for themselves and they feel guilty. You know, in, no, they, in a, well, they usually really don't, though. They don't even take the time? Usually not. Oh, gosh. It's a big problem for obligers. They yeah. don't, they're not good at taking time for themselves. Mm-hmm. They, they, don't, they don't really. They might go into obliger rebellion and then kind of like have a strike. <laughs> that, to me, is not taking time for yourself. That's like going on strike. Yes. Right. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to leave work early and like go see this movie because it's so delicious and I need to recharge. It's right. more like, you know what? You're not the boss of me. You, you can't tell me what to do. I'm not going to answer your emails. I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm going to walk out the door right now. And that's a way you can you can really hurt your reputation that way. Right. It's not thoughtfully done. It's rebellion. It's, it's an obliged rebellion. It's interesting. While you're while you've been talking, I was thinking about how uh, parents uh, you know, might sit with a, their child and say, you know, I, I never needed to do this. My parents never needed to do this for me when I was little. Like you, at this age, you should be able to do this, this, and this. Uh, and your brother never needed this. Like what's going on with you? Like, <laughs> and well, you just imagine. You, you said the exact tip off. You should be able to. That is always, always listen for that. That is the big tip off that there is a tendency conflict coming into yeah. play. Oh. You should be able to do what I ask you to do without a lot of questions and back talk. Right. If you respect me, you should be able to do it without a lot of questions. If you, re- if you want to do this, you should be able to just make a list, put it on the calendar and do it yourself. You don't need me to look over your shoulder or if you, you know, you should be able to, um, mm-hmm. You should be able to follow the directions exactly. Everybody else is doing it this way. Why can't you do it? This or way? you're 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 nine. You're twelve. You should yes. be able to do this. Just this in yes. this way. Yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, so always ask yourself: Do adults struggle with this? Okay. Because the fact is, do adults struggle with handing things in on time? Yes, they do. This be. isn't like what a twelve-year-old should be able to do this. I'm sorry, a forty-five-year-old should be able to do this, and right. they don't. So it's not about, so certainly, of course, there are things that are developmentally appropriate and there are certain markers that we look for. But a lot of times it's like, you know, it's like my daughter managing a group project. I was like, 
I can't really fault you for not being able to manage this because what do all my friends complain about? But trying to do group work where right. somebody's shirking or somebody's taking the best work or somebody's taking credit for work they didn't do. This is like this is a problem with human nature. Right. And so it's, the, the question is, is, is often like, well, how do we set things up so that if there's something that's happening – um, you can, you can, uh, you know, do the best that you can given, given your situation and where you are. Yeah. So I, I, I'm in imagining that teachers, when they're aware of this, wouldn't put, wouldn't put certain people together or would put certain people together because they know that they would work well together or, or would you, um, you know, is the tendencies then allowing you to sort of pre-plan when you're you're helping children to be successful in that case. Well, I I I would be hesitating to say that you should only group like you should make an all or you know of one tendency. No, because no, one no, of the no. things about the tendencies is that it's just one narrow aspect of personality. So mm-hmm. you could line up fifty questioners, and depending on how ambitious they were, how considerate they were, how intellectual they were, how curious they were, how ext- extroverted or introverted they were, how neurotic they were, all these things would go in. So they would look very different from each other. But as to this one aspect of their personality, I I tell you to do something and your question is like, well, why should I? Uh-huh. In that, they would all be the same. So so in, so obviously, like when you're putting together a team of people to do something, many, many things go into that. Because a rebel who's highly ambitious and very considerate of other people is going to be very different from a rebel who doesn't really care about other people's feelings and doesn't really care about succeeding. So. So, so there, so I would say that, and I, and I think, you know, and in the world, we all have to learn how to manage yes, people we do. Who are different from us. So you don't want to like artificially, you know, construct situations so yes. that people, um, um, uh, you know, you know, kind of have it too easy or they right. don't have to figure out ways. It's interesting on my podcast on happier with Gretchen Rubin, we had four episodes where we focused on each of the tendencies for like the whole episode. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when we did that, um, a lot of people responded saying like, oh, and I, and I realized that listening to it as a questioner, thinking through like when I've been with obligers or rebels or whatever, I can think through how it played out. Yes. You know what I mean? Like when you really think about your own tendency, you start seeing how, okay, now I realize when I am in, in, in uh, close proximity or trying to work or engage with this other tendency, um, what kind of things pop out? Because a lot of times there are very kind of predictable patterns. Really, this it, it seems like it comes down to empathy, right? Understanding other yes. people and putting yourself in their shoes and saying, yes. All right, what, is it that, what is it that this person may need from me to make yes. this work well? Yes. Okay. And not resenting it. And, and yeah. like also not taking it personally. Because one of the things a lot of people say about questioners is like, once I realize that they ask questions like this all the time, then I don't take it personally. I don't feel like this person's being insubordinate or disrespectful. Right. Now, it might be kind of tiresome to have somebody ask sure. those questions. Maybe we need to manage that. But it's not, it's not meant to be aimed at me personally. Or like a rebel, I feel like every time I ask you to do something, you won't do it. But you're like that with everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't have to take that personally. I have to manage it. But, um, or, you know, maybe a rebel is confused because they're like, nobody else has any trouble with this. So Mm -hmm. what's wrong with me? It's Mm -hmm. like, there's nothing wrong with you. There's a lot of people like you. They have exactly, and this is the way, these are the strategies they use to manage it. You can manage yourself too. You're going to have to do it in a different way from what works for a lot of your friends and your the, your peers. Yeah, this was this is really interesting. Um, I, I feel like the information is so insightful, and I, I feel like while we can't manage and make all of these groups, you know, balanced and everything like that, at least going in 
and knowing that you're going to meet all these different personalities can help yeah. keep your eyes open so that you can work with people in different ways. You can't, instead of just feeling like a puzzle piece and I'll just plug in here and it'll be fine, yeah. you, can, you can actually adjust yourself and the way that you work with people so that it all comes out successful for everyone. But, but then you also realize the tremendous strength that each of the tendencies yes. brings. So like. For me as an upholder, I'm married to a questioner, and that's really valuable to me because one of the problems with being an upholder is you too readily meet expectations. Mm-hmm. I could do anything. You know, I'm like, whatever, I will do it. And that's not always good because a lot of times you should be like, well, why should I do that? And having my husband right there, either I think like, well, what would Jamie say? Um, or I will literally ask him sometimes. You know, somebody said I should do this. Do you think I should do that? Mm-hmm. And he'll be like, no, you don't need to do that. That's really helpful for me. And like, there's a, you know, as a teacher, if somebody, if, if year after year people are like, why are we doing this? It doesn't make any sense. It's totally inefficient. It's a big waste of my time. That's valuable information for you. If you're really getting a lot of pushback on something, maybe, maybe it doesn't make sense exactly. because if you, if you can't convince generations of children that something makes sense, well, maybe it's not, a, maybe it's not achieving its aims. And the thing about rebels is it teaches us all, we are so much more free than we think. You know, and this is very important for everybody to remember. There's a lot of things people tell you that you don't have to do. I had this hilarious email from a woman who was like, I'm an upholder. My daughter's a rebel. She was like five. Um, How do I get her to realize that there's some things that a person just has to do? Like a person just has to wash their hands after they use the potty. And I literally laughed out loud at my desk because I was like, you know what? You don't have to wash your hands after the potty. You really don't. And your little girl has figured that out. So you need to find a way to make her want to do that. Because she can do it if she chooses to. You do not have to wash your hands after you use the potty. And the more you tell her that she has to, the more she's going to say, you know what? You're not the boss of me. I'm not gonna, and how do I show that you're not the boss of me? By not doing what you tell me to do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a time where you get like, pink and blue soap and like, like you can make colors and yes. yeah. look how fun this can, is. That's fun. You can make it a game. Oh, we're, we're veterinarians who are scrubbing up before we do this yeah. important bear surgery. Or can you time yourself? Ooh, can you, or oh, yeah. can you, can you remember it every time? Or um, you could also play to their identity because you could say to your child, this is information consequences choice. You know what? You're a really considerate person. I know you care a lot about others. And the fact is, not washing your hands spreads germs. Right. Now, you're very young and strong, and you might not even get sick, but without knowing it, you're spreading germs. Mm-hmm. And so old people, babies, sick people, they're going to get sick from your germs. Mm-hmm. And that's why people wash their hands, to make themselves healthier, but also because there's a lot of people who just aren't very healthy already, and then you just make them sicker. You know, it's funny, as you're telling me these things, I'm thinking to myself that some people would be like, why are you telling me all this? Just tell me what to do, and I'll do yes. it. <laughs> Right? As an upholder and obliging, you're yeah. like, oh my gosh. I know, please to- stop with the information. I'm like, why do we need to know all this? Let's just do well, it. And that's a very good point. Like, you could do that. Like, I, I'm not thinking of an example of how to do it for school, but, or maybe a coach would do this. Um, but, like, somebody told me at their workplace, they had, like, some kind of new software program that they were going to use. And so they did this big presentation. Here's the new software. This is why we picked it, blah, blah. Then wisely said, if you feel like you've heard enough about the new software and the reasoning behind it, feel free to go back to your desk. If you would like to stay here and hear more and have me take your questions about this new software, I'm very happy to stay for as long as you need so that you understand why we feel like this change is warranted. So then you don't exhaust 
the people who feel like, right. oh, you know what? I don't care right. to hear any more about it. Like, whatever, Trevor. I want to go back to yes. my desk. But then the questioners can stay there because they need that. Because questioners will often be like, oh, yeah, they tell me to do stuff at work and then I just don't do it. Because right. it's like, right. any sense to me. I'm like, well, it's not really optimal right. for everybody. Exactly. Um, but to them, they're like, of course, that makes sense. Right. And as a presenter, you know, you know that people in the audience have like, like oh, maybe we should take some questions. I, I, it's, and yes. Some people are tapping their feet at that point. Others yes. are glued to the top of their seat like, yes. You know, yes. so it's it's very yes. interesting to see that work in, in a lot of different places. Yes, so people can get drained and overwhelmed by the questioners' exactly. questions. They, They're they like, I'm done. It. I'm already done. Yes. I've heard the yes. thing. Now I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So tell me at this point, we'd love to do top tips. So what is the top tip that you would want people to come away with after hearing all these wonderful uh, ideas and opportunities and things that you're saying about these tendencies? What What's one top tip you'd like them to come away with? Well, I think it's what you said a few minutes ago, which is just recognize that you're going to be running into all pe people of all different tendencies all the time. And they can be different from you. And and um, so you need to think about the tendency as you're turning, trying to manage yourself and manage other people. And just knowing it, just understanding that this is at play, a lot of times can make it much easier to subtly change things in a way that's going to help um, other people like to get with the program better. Mm, love it. So tell us the resource of the week. Where would you like people to go in order to get more information about you or to move forward to understand more about these four tendencies? Well, if you want to take the quiz, you can go to happiercast.com slash quiz. And like I'm coming up on almost a million people who have taken the so quiz exciting. now. A lot of people have taken it. If you want to just sort of check out everything generally, you can go to GretchenRubin.com. Um, which is my just my general site. And there's show notes to my podcast and resources and all sorts of stuff. And if you really are like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait for the book to come out in September. I need to learn more about the four tendencies right now. I have an app called the Better App. Mm. Um, you can search in the app store for Better Gretchen Rubin or it's betterapp.us if you're going from a desktop. And this is all discussion about the four tendencies. So there's there's uh, a whole topic for for um, about related to children, um, and then there's things about like accountability. Um, you can ask questions, you can join accountability groups if you're, especially if you're an obliger who wants an accountability group of your own. Perfect. Um, yeah. So th those are places where you can learn more. This is awesome. And I know a lot of people will be jumping on that right away. I, I'm so, gr I'm just so grateful that you've been with us today. I feel like this topic is so interesting and it's, uh, my mind is blown in some areas. So I'm okay. like, oh, okay. <laughs> like now that makes sense. Okay. So you've provided so many important resources and, and scripting and tips. I, I, it's just the way that you speak is all in tips and scripts. So it's perfect for our audience. Perfect for me. I love all of this information. So thank you so very much for being here today. Oh, thank you. It was so much fun to talk to you. Well, I've got my takeaways, and sweet friends, I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. Let's go to Dr. Robin Silverman page, or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. And I'm going to be tweeting Gretchen Rubin when we have all this information out, and I, you, I'd love you to get into the discussion. And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes, rate and review it, and send it out and share it because other people need to hear about this. Don't you think? Do other people? People need to hear about these four tendencies because it will all of a sudden make sense why they've been bonking their heads against the wall. So 
Thank you so much, everybody. And that's all the time we have for today. I am so excited that all of you have tuned in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, you've got this. Even when your children are driving you crazy, now we probably have some great insight. On the days you fall short, you make mistakes, you feel like you don't know what you're doing. We all have those days. You've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need, and you didn't do it the right the, the first time. Never forget, there's always tomorrow. Parenting, it's the ultimate do-over. I see you. I'm right there with you. And as there's moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet, sweet sanity, please know you're 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.